you are sure about one thing. You don't want to raise your kids the way you were raised. Maybe you were raised with cor corporal punishment. Maybe you were raised uh, being sent to your room and being alone in your room. You want to provide that nurturing, happy home that maybe you lacked growing up. And as much as you try, sometimes you feel that you're, you sleep back. You yell and then it is hard to break this cycle. There are actually four generational toxic patterns that parents live. They're carrying from childhood and they are affecting their parenting. And in this episode, I'm going to break down what those four patterns are, how they may be affecting your parenting, and then practical things that you can start doing right now towards breaking that cycle. And sometimes willpower and just having tools from a podcast is not enough. So if you feel a need, extra guidance, meaning a professional that is by your side every step of, way, of the way, every week, until you break that generational cycle, then I encourage you to apply for HIC Parenting Coaching Agency. We are certified parenting coaches who are trained to help you. Number one, break your generational pattern of disconnection, of punishment, of reactivity towards having a more peaceful interaction with your child. If that's what you're looking for, then I encourage you to apply. Just type apply.hicparenting.com and you can talk to a real person if HIC Parenting Team. We will help you see what you need, where you want to go in your parenting, where you want to be five years from now. And then if it's feeding, then you will enroll in HIC Parenting. For example, Bo, she said that understanding herself as a parent, her patterns, having awareness of how her inner child shows up in her parenting and how to do to reverse that cycle that has allowed her to get closer to her child and to heal in many ways her inner child. She goes to therapy as well. So the pair up of therapy plus parenting coaching is been what has helped her break the cycle with her child. And that could be you as well. I'm Rachel. And I'm Marcela. And you're listening to the Parenting with Understanding podcast. We are parenting coaches who have helped millions of parents like you all over the world go from feeling isolated and hopeless, unable to break the cycle of permissive or punitive parenting to feeling confident in parenthood and connected to their children's needs. So let's talk about those four generational patterns that are impacting our parenting now and are impairing us for, from parenting our kids the way that we want to parent them. Sometimes as much as we want to be respectful, sometimes as much I remember back in the day, I would wake up and I would swear to myself that that day I would not yell. And as much as I tried, by 4.30 p.m. I was completely completely exhausted and I, I remember going from trying to be nice and kind to snapping at my kids in foster care and then I would feel so terrible and that was kind of the cycle and I felt stuck and now I know that 
that reactivity didn't come from my physical tiredness of the day because now I do get physically tired. I'm still raising seven-year-old twins. It was from, from the exhaustion, the emotional exhaustion that it was for me to parent my kids with an unresolved, unhealed, generational pattern, toxic generational pattern. I grew up Latino, and then I, I received the chancla growing up. I received the go to your room and don't, don't come out until you're, you're quote-unquote calm, which you're not really calm. You just stop crying, and then your parents think that you're calm because you stop crying. Anyway, so I came up from that cycle, and that created four patterns. Four patterns that now as a parenting coach who has helped thousands of parents, hundreds of parents directly, I know that those four patterns may be affecting most parents. So let's talk about those. Number one, pattern number one, reactivity and control. And that's the source of reactivity, control. For when we grew up controlled, when we grew up not having a say, when we grew up, you do as I say and as, as I do, when you, grew, when you grew up believing that you were not seen, that you were not heard, then that runs deep in you. And now when you are parenting your children and you maybe tell them something like, I, I need you to go and, and take the, cr- the trash out and then they keep playing video games, then that, those narratives from childhood of I'm not seen, I'm not heard, come up, they flare up. And because growing up, we received control, we, we experienced being controlled, we experienced being under somebody's foot, <laughs> then that's the source of the reactivity that we see our children that maybe they were hyper-focused in the, in the video game and they couldn't hear us. Or maybe they heard us, but they, they, they're struggling with that transition of like, this is not fun going to, I'm, I'm about to finish a world, mommy. That's one of my twins. I'm about to finish a world when he plays video games. And then if we come with that narrative of we're not seen, we're not heard, and what we know is power control from growing up, then that sparks our reactivity. That sparks the, I'm not going to tell you one more time. And if I have to tell you one more time, no more electronics for the rest of the day. That's not us thinking logically. That's our emotions. And that's our inner child responding to our children. So the second pattern is, I'm going to go through the patterns and then I'm going to walk you through the strategies to move towards breaking those patterns. The second pattern is perfectionism and unrealistic expectations. I didn't say high expectations because we can still have high age-appropriate expectations for our kids. I'm talking about unrealistic expectations and perfectionism. And that starts with us us feeling that we need to be perfect, that if we don't perfectly gentle parent our kids, then we're not gentle parenting at all. Or if we, if we are not perfectly 
uh, helping our children through their big emotions, then we are bad parents. That's perfectionism. And this is actually a generational pattern that came from childhood when we made mistakes and we were shamed by our caregivers, when we made a mistake and we were punished, when we made a mistake and we were, uh, we were criticized, we were ridiculed. Or let's, the other side, the other side, maybe we didn't make many mistakes because the praise, the acknowledgement, the good jobs, they're just such a great son or daughter came just and just if I achieve, just after the result, only. And the times that I didn't achieve, the times I didn't get, get that A plus, the times that I didn't make the team, the times that I, I made a spill, the times that I, I was not on top of my game, then I was ignored. I was just not taking in consideration. Like I, I was left with my feelings. When times were low and when I achieved high, I was recognized. That creates the pattern of perfectionism. And that pattern of perfectionism leads to a lot of anxiety for us parents. And that's what I lived back in the day before I broke the pattern with my children in foster care. I'm a perfectionist in recovery. I would try all day to perform, to be perfect, to be the best mom, to, to show up, to, to smile, to do, to do, to do, to perform, to perform. And of course, it makes sense if you're trying so hard all day to perform, to do the right thing, to play with your kids, to do the crafts, to have the home organized, to be a, a good hard worker, to return, to return all your phone calls, to not lose your temper if you're trying and trying and trying, trying to achieve that unattainable perfection perfection persona of, uh, of a parent, then it makes sense that 5.30 p.m. you're so exhausted that there is not nothing, anything left from you. That was me. There was nothing left at 5.30. And because I was, it was, there was nothing left there, then bedtime was a struggle. Then brushing teeth and anything, all the routine from 5.30 until my kids went to sleep. It was, it was a complete painful experience because I was parenting from an empty cup. I was parenting from E and it was because I was, I was going hard all day trying to be this perfect parent. And that drains, that drains. That drains so much our energy when we try to live up to this really high standard and expectation. And this leads me to the third toxic generational pattern that is affecting our parenting right now. And it is emotional distancing. And that's, if you practice gentle parenting, that's what you don't want, where you don't want to get. When I was sure that this is the parenting style that I wanted to provide for my kids, I felt so, so guilty when, when I couldn't show up emotionally for them. 
So what is emotional distance? Emotional distance is when you are so exhausted and so drained of uh, providing that emotional support for your children, for your family, that it gets to a point that you're not reactive anymore. You just withdraw. I'm not talking about that you're taking a break, that you are you are taking care of yourself, that you're taking a bubble bath. I'm not talking about that. You're just with you withdraw. You are there and not there. Maybe you're still playing with your kids, but your mind is somewhere else. Maybe you are preparing. Maybe you are eating at the table with your family. You're not there. Your body is there. Your mind and your heart is not there. And then children feel it. Children see it and feel it. And why is this emotional distancing coming from your childhood experience? There is that all the parenting behaviors, and I'm talking about the default parenting behaviors, come from childhood patterns. So how is emotional distancing coming from a childhood pattern? So when we were not contained emotionally, when we were not contained in our emotions by adults, who were aware that we didn't have the brain development to process our emotions, to feel our emotions, to express our emotions, to make sense of emotions. When we were left alone with all our feelings, then we grew up with this pattern of emotional distancing. We feel stress inside of us and instead of communicating it, instead of voicing our needs, voicing our feelings, accessing help, we withdraw. We withdraw to our closet. We, will, we withdraw to our bedroom and we just sit there in helplessness. We're not even helping ourselves. We are completely, our arms are down. We are completely helpless and hopeless, crying or maybe not crying, maybe just st- staring to the ceiling fan, but in a place of despair helplessness and hopelessness and it's not because it's not caused by our children it is not it is an emotional place because our children drain our physical energy i i I have to say that (laughs) after raising children since 2012 children i mean you get exhausted right cleaning helping children in the party all day feeding uh, going to the school, coming back, going to jiu-jitsu classes, coming back. That's physically toxic. But the emotional drainage, the emotional, oh, the emotional lack comes from somewhere else. It comes from, again, that, that generational pattern of we were not contained emotionally growing up. So instead of us, as children learning what it is to feel and express and emotions, emotions in a contained environment, we withdrew. We were sent to our room or maybe we were spanked. And after that, there was not anything else. There was no any other emotional outlet for us. And if we, we, if we tried, we were punished even more. Or we were sent to our room and be left there alone even more. So it's understandable that now as parents, we we engage in, in the same behaviors. 
maybe we cannot withdraw with our with our physical bodies because we have little toddlers or babies or kids, little kids that need us a lot. We withdraw mentally. We withdraw emotionally. And that's what our children feel. And they cling to that. They, they desperately look for, where is my parent? Where are you? I mean, I see your shell, but where are you? So our children see our, our shell, but they don't see us. And then they look for it. They look with desperate behaviors, such as, quote-unquote, clinginess, such as, quote-unquote, getting aggressive, such as, quote-unquote, getting into mischief and physical aggression with siblings and whining and dragging their feet to everything, not because they're giving us a hard time, but they're having a hard time finding us. It's their best attempt to say, where are you? They're shaking us. They're emotionally shaking us, trying to, 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 serve, to bring us back to life. That's the connection that our generational pattern has with our present parenting and ultimately the behaviors that we see in our children. So that's the toxic negative generational pattern number three. Let's go to the fourth one. The four generational pattern that I see parents and that I experienced growing up with my parents and that I, I carried to my parenting. Hopefully not. It was, I'm so glad and proud of myself and my hard work that this pattern didn't carry on until now, but it started. And it's the pattern of inconsistent responses. The pattern of inconsistency. And the pattern of inconsistency is very common on parents who grew up with an ambivalent attachment style. By the way, that's my default attachment style as well because my parents gave me ambivalent attachment style. So what is this attachment style? What is attachment <laughs> before anything? So attachment is the way that how safe or unsafe we perceive our inner world and how safe or unsafe we, per we perceive the outer world, meaning our relationship with the environment, our relationship with, our, with others, our relationship with society. So what happens with people who have that inconsistent pattern? And that I was there too. The ambivalence comes from sometimes I was met with nurturance and compassion. Um, my mom was a gentle parent at night <laughs> and an authoritarian parent during the day. So at night, huh? now I'm realizing that evenings are the easiest part of my day. I love my twins' bedtime, no matter how, how the behaviors that they have. I, can, I feel confident, secure, and empowered at bedtime, regardless of what they're doing, because my mom provided that consistent emotional attunement at night. Every time I was struggling to fall asleep, she was very caring and very in tune with me. If I woke up in the middle of the night, which by the way, I had a little a little phase when I was about nine or 10, I, re I still remember that some, I don't know why every night 
at 2 a.m., I will wake up and I will wake up in, almost in a night terror. I will wake up terrified, scared. I, maybe I was feeling that there, there are monsters under the bed. I don't know why, but for that little phase, I looked for my mom and I was 10 years old. And at 10 years old, my mom still woke up in the middle of the night and gently took me back to my bedroom and stayed there until I fell asleep. And that little that little phase of waking up in the middle of the night didn't last long because I felt safe. So what happened? She was, she was attuned during the night and during the day, she, it was hard for her. She lives with chronic illness. And it's understandable that she was reactive, that she was snappy, <laughs> that she didn't have so much patience for, for my learning process. So if it took too long for me to learn to tie my shoes, she would, she would just get really frustrated because she was in physical pain. So I understand that. Nevertheless, it created this pattern of inconsistency, this pattern of my mom is sometimes nurturing and consistent and attuned and some other times she's snappy and she's reactive and I don't know what to expect from her. So what happened? when? Because I grew up with an ambivalent attachment style where the child doesn't know what to expect from the parent because sometimes they're nurturing and loving and emotional attuned and some other times they're reactive, they're snappy, they're, they're punishing. Then, then you grew up with a lot of anxiety within you, a lot of anxiety and re relationships feel to us who have that default parenting uh, attachment style as a very anxious thing, as we are always trying to work for the acceptance because we don't know when we are going to get yelled at, snapped at, rejected. So as long as I have this acceptance and this emotional nurturance back and forth, then I'm going to try and try and try to keep this for longer. So how does that affect our relationship with our kids? When we came up from that generational toxic pattern of inconsistency, that as we are good as long as our children are good. If they're playful, we're playful. If they are, let's just say, if they're sad, we help them and we console them and we feel bad and we feel sorry for them and we, we can be attuned. But when they're aggressive, when they are reactive, meaning yelling, when they are calling us name, when, when, they, are, when they are reactive and aggressive, that's when we lose our temper and then we move from that consistent attunement to inconsistency. So let's, let's talk about how to break these patterns. So there are four. Let's review them. Number one, the pattern of reactivity. Number two, the pattern of perfectionism. Number three, the pattern of emotional distancing. And number four, the pattern of inconsistent responses. So the pattern of reactivity, the pattern of reactivity, and this is the work that HIC parenting coaches do with our clients in our 14-week program. Here, I'm going to give you a rough overview of how to move towards changing your reactivity. Awareness 
is the foundation of everything. For you to be aware of what triggers you. So what is that thing that takes you there? That takes you to, um, I don't know how to handle this. Yesterday I was talking to a parent and then she was saying, yes, as long as my child is sad, or maybe if he's in a tantrum, I'm consistent, I'm attuned. But it is when the, he starts demanding, the demandingness, and then and I tell him no, and then he keeps pushing it, and he keeps pushing it. And I tell him no, and then he keeps pushing The demandingness is what makes me lose my control. So what is that specific thing that takes you there? That's the very first thing towards breaking your cycle, towards changing your cycle of reactivity. So if this mom knows that is when her child is demanding and no doesn't work, then how can you prepare in advance to be mentally and emotionally ready to help yourself through that moment? What do you want to believe about yourself? So I, I didn't go deeper on this mom because I wasn't coaching her or anything. I was just talking to her. It was an informal conversation. But if I were her coach, I would have asked her questions of what she's believing at the moment about herself when her son is demanding and demanding and she's telling him no. Because if she's believing things such as, I'm not heard, I'm not seen, which again, all those beliefs come from childhood, then it makes sense for me that she's reactive when she says no, 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 and the child keeps saying yes, 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 yes. So to be aware of your limiting beliefs, which is, that's what it, what it is. Believing that you're not seen, that you're not worried to be heard, is a limiting belief. So you already know what your limiting belief what is the belief that you replace? What is the, the expansive belief you want to replace that limiting belief with? So what about my child is not trying to ignore me. My voice matters. My child is having a hard time accepting no. Because ac accepting no for a, for a three-year-old, that was the age of her child, is really, really, really hard. Not because they don't believe that the parent has, doesn't have a voice. It's not because they don't believe we, you don't have a voice. It's because developmentally for a three-year-old, it's hard to move on once they get a no. So once you are in that grounded place of an expansive belief of my voice matters, and my child is not doing this to me because he thinks my and my voice is not heard, is because he's having a hard time to move on, then you are in a better position to help your children, in a way better position. And this might take you practice and practice, and you might take a lot of breaks before moving into, before finding a breakthrough. So breaks meaning you can take three no's, but you, you know you cannot take four no's from your kids. So at, at no number two, you know that you need to have a little break to reset, to take deep breaths, to remind yourself of your expansive belief and go back to your child. So let's go back to cycle number two. Generational cycle number two of perfectionism. Perfectionism, again, comes, comes from childhood. 
It doesn't come from social media. Social, social media expects us parents to be perfect. Gentle parenting expects us parents to be perfect. I heard that one day on a TikTok. Somebody said, I'm breaking up with gentle parenting because gentle parenting wants me to be perfect. Gentle parenting does not want you to be perfect. You're believing that about yourself, that you have to be perfect in order to consider yourself a gentle parent. So the way to break this pattern of perfectionism is really two things. Number one, to allow yourself to make mistakes. And when you make mistakes, to see that as part of the process. And number two, to lean into flexibility. Because usually perfectionists are very rigid, rigid, rigid people. Rigid with themselves, rigid with their kids, rigid with their house. Everything has to be put in place. And if not, then my world is a chaos. And my life is is a chaos. So to learn to live in the discomfort or to, to learn to get comfortable with lack of perfection, with flexibility. So as a recovered perfectionist, it took me a lot of parenting coaching and healing to get to the place that I was yesterday. So yesterday I picked up my twins from school. We we walk home, so we don't take we don't come home with the by car. We walk home, and it's Phoenix. It's entering May. It is hot. It's not too hot, but it's kind of toasty. So during spring, my twins usually come out of school and then they play a little soccer match on the grass outside of school, and then after ten minutes we go home. Yesterday it was getting toasty. It was getting hot. And then they came out of school and then they say, okay, we're going to play soccer. I said, no, no, not today. It's toasty. (laughs) And then they say, no, we want to play. We're going to play. The perfectionist in me who cannot be told no, that who has to do things methodically, thought, how are you going to get them away with that? But then the parenting with understanding me started thinking, why is it going to happen if you say, yes, it's hot. They're feeling the heat. They're going to be hotter than you because they're going to play soccer. That soccer match is not going to last more than five minutes. So I practice flexibility and then I just allowed them to, to go play soccer. And it was not even three minutes when they came back with their cheeks red and they said, we're done. That that prevented me a big power struggle, a big power struggle. We came back home and everything was okay. So when we grew up in the pattern of perfectionism, we relate flexibility with permissiveness, which those two are very two different things. Being permissive and being flexible are two different things. So what would a permissive thing be? If I would have said, yeah, I'm just going to give in to this, go play soccer, but then we're going to get late to our appointment that we're about to go. If our flexibility is impairing or, or going against 
a family value. In this case, going to places of time with value of going being on time, then it will be permissive. But in this case, being flexible was not affecting a family value, was not affecting anything else. We were just a little hot, but I was not that hot. So practice flexibility is the way that you start and move towards breaking the pattern of perfectionism, allowing yourself to be in the, in the mess, or maybe not the mess, 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 if you cannot handle so much mess, but a little messy. Allow the one thing to be misplaced. That's how you start. Let's go with emotional distancing. Emotional distancing when intimacy, when co-regulation with our kids feels so draining. If you grew up with a pattern of emotional distancing, co-regulating with your child, sitting with them through their feelings, through their big emotions, drains you. It drains the, your soul. You leave that tantrum ready to take a nap for the rest of the afternoon. And it's because people who are emotionally distant are not emotionally nurtured. So that's the way to start breaking that cycle. How you're going to start emotionally nurturing yourself and allowing others to nurture you. One way to allow others to nurture you is by you starting to communicate your feelings and needs. Right, right now, you are, you are crying in the closet. You are not allowing anybody to, to watch you cry. My invitation for you is that next time you allow your loved ones to see you cry. It might feel really uncomfortable and vulnerable. But that's, that's a way that we start building that relational safety with others by allowing them to enter our emotional landscape, not, not just in the moments that we feel confident, that we feel happy, that we feel we got it, but in those moments that we feel weak as well. And the, the pattern of inconsistency, that was the pattern that was passed down to me and I was unconsciously bringing it on to our children. Because when we are not conscious of our generational pattern, we are unconsciously bringing it onto our kids. So the pattern of inconsistency, sometimes I'm nurturing, sometimes I'm not nurturing. Sometimes we are, mm, we go down to our child's level and then we, we request things and some other times we're demanding. It's like our children don't know what to expect. So how do you break this pattern? People with this pattern, parents with this pattern, leave a lot of anxiety. They fear disconnection. They fear emotional distancing. They fear emotional abandonment. So they're all the time trying, 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 trying. The starting point of this work of breaking the pattern of inconsistency is allowing yourself to live with the flow of the moment. So how is not living with the flow of the moment? Your child cries and then you try to fix the situation right away. I'm going to do everything to get my child to stop crying. 
And it could be gentle parenting things. Okay, let's take deep breaths. Let's do this. Let's do that. But you're with that anxious energy to fix it. Or maybe you are not doing gentle parenting. You're out in authoritarian parenting. And you're like, stop crying. I told you to stop crying. If you don't stop crying. And then you're with that anxious energy of fixing behavior, fixing your children, fixing what's wrong. It's all that consistent anxiety what produces the inconsistency in your parenting. So how do we move from that? Allowing ourselves to live what we need to live without fixing, without attaching the things that we're doing to certain results. I'm going to sit here and allow my son to go through their, his big emotions for as long as it takes him, for as long as we're here, because I'm now with the energy of I'm fixing it, of I need to, you to stop crying right away. Sometimes we don't have time for this, meaning that we're getting ready to go, we're, we're rushing, so how am I going to not fix it? It's still, I'm going to support you through not fixing, through not having that anxiety of this needs to be nipped in the butt right away. And I, because if you don't, then that means I'm a bad parent. To detach your responses from what you think your worth is as a parent. So let's just say that your child is tantruming before going to the car to go in with, with the mentality that if my child comes down, well, before we go, great. But if not, they could keep crying in the car and they're still safe because I'm still there walking them through with emotional presence, without fixing, without fixing our children, without fixing us. So all these four generational patterns are are not easy to break. For me, it took therapy. It took parenting coaching. By the way, I'm still under parenting coaching. And really to have a professional to look through the lenses of our patterns and help us illuminate where we need to start. That's what we do in HIC Parenting Education. And if you want to start this process, we do it in 14 weeks. Our parenting coaches, they're all certified through the Jai Institute. And we help parents understand themselves so they can find transformation from the inside out and be the strong foundation that their children need. Just type apply.hicparenting.com or you just can open the description of this episode and you see the link there. If you are watching us on YouTube, which one of those four generational patterns do you relate the most to? And what is one thing that you can start doing right now towards softening that cycle and that generational pattern, towards breaking it one step at a time? If you have not followed us, follow us. We are on TikTok, we are on YouTube, we are on Instagram, at High Impact Club, at The Considered Mama. If you are one of our HIC parenting customers, 
I encourage you to join our Pride Facebook group. It's called the HIC Cycle Breaker Pride Facebook group. You can find us on Facebook and over there we have a community of thousands of cycle breakers like you breaking their generational cycle with the help of their HIC parenting coaches. Request to join and remember that it only takes understanding to break their cycle. I'll see you next time.